0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 127 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Lucas Rubelke. Yo. Alyssa Neichel. Hey, hey. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.TV. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Uri Goldstein. Hi, everyone. Now, Uri, you've been on the show before, haven't you? Uh
1: Yeah, a few times. I don't remember, actually, how much <laughs> well, we'll, get,
0: we'll get links to those in the show notes but do you want to remind the listener who you are or what you do
1: um so i am a core developer at the Meteor development group i basically the angular guy there <laughs> so uh, everything related to angular whether it's Meteor related or whether it's uh, graphql and apollo related then that's me
2: <laughs> he's basically the meteor messiah is really um what he is <laughs>
1: nice. The so... meteor shower will come. <laughs>
0: nice. So uh, we brought you on today to talk about GraphQL, and you mentioned Apollo. Uh, do you do you want to give our listeners, we've talked, I think, a little bit about GraphQL in the past, but just give us kind of a bit of a refresher, and then we'll talk about how you do this thing with Angular 2.
1: Um, so GraphQL, basically, the very, very short sentence it's a new way to query data from your server. Um, uh, if like right now, most people use REST, this is a, a new way uh, to query the data from the server. It has many, many benefits, both for uh, performance benefits and also maintainability benefits, and uh, it's pretty cool. And it's, a, it's an open source protocol uh, from Facebook.
0: Very nice. You gave a talk at Angular Remote Comp, so if you want to actually see examples in action as he furiously pulls data off of a server, it's a good place to look.
1: Hopefully with GraphQL, it looks less furiously, but
2: yeah.
1: (laughs)
0: Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster focused and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link, that's right, you get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. So I think most people are familiar with REST. Do you want to kind of highlight the differences between REST and GraphQL?
1: Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, so first thing, GraphQL, like I said before, it's a query language, so um, it means that uh, right now, when we are querying data from the server, basically we're quer- querying it in the form of uh, URLs. Like, right? right, like you can query a product slash ID, for example. Um, and you don't really, de- as the client, you don't really decide what what you're actually going to get. Like the server will decide for you if you'll get a name, an age, or what all kinds of information. And with GraphQL, it's the other way around. Uh, basically, as the client, you say, okay, I want product number three, but for product number three, I want the name and the age. I don't want anything else. And you know that you will get just do- just this information from the server. Um, and if we think about REST, then first of all, like I said before, you will get it from the server once, and maybe in two months, from the same endpoint, you will get... You know, other types of information it might change and break your front end app with GraphQL. You have the guarantee on the protocol itself that you will get exactly the information that you always queried, and also you those, this information will be typed so you know that uh, age will be a number, you know that name will be a string, um, and it's on the protocol level. So, um, uh, unlike REST, which is like an open protocol, you will get. Um, you have a guarantee for the information that you will get and you can actually develop the client side while the server side isn't even ready yet because you can define the protocol and you will know exactly beforehand what what you're going to get. Another interesting thing about GraphQL, which is better than or like an improvement from REST is that... um, with REST, uh, let's say I want a list of uh, products, and for each product, I want to have specific information. So, uh, first of all, I need to. I have two ways of doing it. One is to actually uh, query a list of products, get their IDs, and then query again for their information. So I have like a few round trips with the server and the client, which right now in our application is actually very costly, definitely in a mobile application. With GraphQL, I can specify in in advance exactly what I want, and I will get it no matter how nested or how complex this query is. Um, And I'll get from the server all of that information in the structure that I wanted in one single response. So one single response, and I don't need to do joins on the client or all kinds of complex uh, data structuring for my UI. I just ask it exactly as I want, and I get it in one single response exactly as I need it. Um, Yeah, there's more benefits, but maybe we can talk about it uh, later in the conversation.
2: And so, If I can jump in here, just a real-life example of this is I was working on a project where we had students that were enrolled in classes, who then each class had course or basically lessons, and then each lesson had essentially project work, and so when we were trying to actually load this over the REST API, is I think I I did some network monitoring, and so just to load this one page, we were doing almost 100 REST calls, because we had to get like the student, then we had to get the courses they were enrolled in, then all of the lessons, and then all their project stuff, and so this was a a massive. Um, hit on the server trying to piecemeal this stuff together because the models are essentially, um, you know, separated on endpoints. And I like REST because it's conventional, but, you know, it's a real problem when you're trying to put, you know, multiple models together. And so this is where we started to actually look at at Falcor at the time of, like, how do we simplify this and tell the server just to give us exactly what we need? And I, And for me, this is why I'm so excited about GraphQL is because you have complex data structures and you can offload that to the server where it's really optimally, you know, set up to do that instead of trying to do that on, you know, the front end in JavaScript with, as Yuri said, like weird joins and stuff. It gets very process intensive.
3: How hard is it, though, to switch over to something like that, like to take your existing project in REST and change it? Uh,
1: That's a great question. I mean, um, you have many, many choices and like you can see all kinds of different ways of doing that across the industry. But the important thing about GraphQL is that GraphQL started actually as a project in order to migrate and exist, or not even migrate, just put a layer on top of existing system in Facebook. Um, so the whole point of GraphQL is to take your existing data structure, your existing REST calls, and just put a new NPI to your clients on top of them. Um, Just in short, uh, what happened in Facebook is in 2011 they created a new mobile app and it was a huge thing. They had to move fast because there was this thing called the Google Plus. I don't know if anyone heard about this thing now, (laughs) but uh, they were moving really fast and the technology was was superior. And um, Facebook had to release like new mobile apps with new modern APIs really fast. They didn't have time to change their existing servers. Um, So basically, they created GraphQL in order to do that. First of all, the first uh, client that was working on top of GraphQL was actually their native iOS. So uh, that means that, let's say, if you want to take the Facebook approach, it means that you can create a a middleware server, let's say written in Node, um, between your existing uh, server's API like to to just be a middleware between the existing REST uh, calls and your clients. Just do it more efficiently and more easily. Um, So this is one way, maybe the most common way, and from that, once you do that, you can slowly start optimizing your existing servers into GraphQL, but that's not even necessary. We see a lot of uh, production users that actually just stay just staying with that GraphQL middleware, and it gives them everything they need on top of their like existing servers, whether it's uh, like PHP servers, .NET, or even I got to like uh, talked with a few production de- developers that use like um, you know banks that use IBM WebSphere, like all kinds of like it's re- really old legacy systems. Um, But there's another interesting thing that uh, I actually started doing recently, and now it got into more interest in the community. Which is, let's say you are a front-end developer, and you can't, for whatever reason, inside your large organizations or enterprise, you can't, um, you can't create a graph uh, like a graphical middleware. You just have control only on your client-side app then you can actually run a GraphQL server in the browser, which is very interesting. I'm now using this approach to, uh, first of all, for testing, like if you just want to test stuff on your client side. And second of all, um, uh, for examples, like I'm using it, uh, I have to run like an example on planker so I have to put everything on the browser. But once I've done that, actually a lot of people started using it in order to define everything in the client in their Angular app in GraphQL in a standard way, and then querying um, a GraphQL server that sits also on the browser, and that's a uh, GraphQL server uh, queries the old APIs. So it means that it just, it organizes your code or your Angular code. The network still goes like with uh, regular REST calls, but um you can use GraphQL inside your app and make your like client side code super clean and even more efficient.
3: Is there a time when you wouldn't want to use that like the in the browser version or no that's always fine?
1: Um yeah like w- what you miss like when you do the the in browser version is that uh you have you again you have from the client to the server a few rest uh calls. So the aggregation is being done on the client side, but then if you want to call separate uh, models or separate queries, or even separate microservices, for example, then you still have to do multiple round trips to to the server. So that's something that the middleware, if you are able to do a node middleware, which basically also in the tutorial that I've done, I've built everything on the browser. So you think you're just, you know, you're just a client developer. Let's say you don't know nothing about servers and node and stuff like that. And then once it's done, it's the same exact code as your middleware. So you just, you can just, if you want the benefits of the network, then you can just take the same code, copy paste it into a node server and it works. Uh, So, so yeah, in terms of, uh, it does, like, have the benefit of actually, like, running a GraphQL middleware instead of in browser, but it's a good, it's a very, very good start.
0: So, where I want to go with this a little bit, um, and you've talked about, okay, you know, you can set it up in the browser, you can make these queries in the browser, et cetera, et cetera, but where do you put this in your Angular app? Because, as you said, you know, um, GraphQL is a Facebook thing, um, and... If I remember right, they built Relay, which really works nicely with React. But you know, I, I haven't seen a really good way to make Re- Relay run, um, you know, with Angular. So I know I'm setting you up, but I'm, I'm curious. You know, how do you plug all this in so that I can have the nice GraphQL interface with my Angular app?
1: Uh, so thank you for setting me up. Uh, <laughs> But, but uh, I'll start with why would you actually do that? So uh, when the, with GraphQL, then those queries that we were talking about, like the best way, by the way, to if someone is now following the conversation and just want to see it in front of their eyes, just go to uh, graphql.org. and Because the easiest way to explain GraphQL is just to look at it. It's a very, very simple structure that looks exactly like JSON. Um, and it's pretty much self-explanatory. Um, but it, once you start using GraphQL, you realize that those queries, first of all, are sim- simple, and then secondly, are composable. That means that um, what we are doing right, we had a, and this is I'm going to like divese for a second and talk about angular apps. like everyone now is talking about using components. Like you know, you have all your app using components, like modular components that you can move around. But, and it's all fine. Like, it's all really good. But once you start querying the server, so suddenly there's a lot of uh, issues that rise up. Um, whether if you're querying the server with using services or HTTP calls or whatever you, you want, the current, like, ways of doing it, it basically breaks your component encapsulation. I'm not going to talk too much about it. There's I'm going to link... uh in the like talks, docs, docs about the like a lecture that uh, Jeff Cross and I gave about it. But basically, GraphQL lets you uh, g- gives you the opportunity to put uh, those queries next to the component. So let's say if I have a component that needs a name and an age, and it has other parent components that render the bunch of other st- renders a bunch of other stuff. I can just put the GraphQL query with the name and the age next to the component. And once I need to change the component, for example, remove the age, I can also remove the age from the query in the same file and it will just work. So um, the benefits of using GraphQL with Angular basically means that you can keep your components uh, composable and reusable, even when they need data from the server. Which is very very important. Um, now the way to do it is you you, uh, you talked about Relay, which is a great uh, GraphQL client that is used in uh, a lot of uh, React uh, apps. Um, basically, there's another like uh, uh, another library, another graphical ca- client that called that is called Apollo Client that that we build. Like the company that I work Meteor is a company that build Apollo Client, and basically. It's a it's a client for querying GraphQL um, servers, and you can use uh, Apollo client with Angular, with React, with uh, Vue or just with plain JavaScript. Like basically, it works with any uh, front-end technology that you're using. And people actually like s- uh, talking about like Relay is super popular. It's from Facebook, uh, but recently, um, actually. Apollo client uh, passed relay just on the reacting on, just on the react part so even on the react part which is like the home ground of relay you can say Apollo client is now actually uh, more uh, popular than than relay um, but but we keep uh, you know we, we talk every day with Facebook and we uh, everything we do is like um, shared with them and and talked with them so we just keep improving each other all the time. So, yeah,
0: yeah. And that's the nice thing about open source is that if you want it done differently, you can do it differently. And then it seems like, I mean, even across the frameworks, I mean, we've borrowed, uh, or Angular's borrowed from React, and React's borrowed from Ember, and Ember's borrowed from Angular, and it all, you know, we're all better off for it. So, yeah, that makes total sense. So, how do you plug Apollo into your? Angular app, I mean, do you set up a service or are you better off just, you know, inside of your component telling it, hey, go talk uh, GraphQL to the back end or
1: what what do you do? Mm, So basically, you you have a, you get, like, you install the the Angular, the Apollo Angular library, um, like npm install it or from wherever you want to take it. Uh, And then, first of all, we expose a global service. That in that service you just define when you when you like load your app you just define in the service like what where is the for example all kinds of like uh, options for example where is your GraphQL endpoint usually the default is like slash GraphQL um, but you can define whatever service server you want endpoint you want and all kind of other like um, other like. Uh, like network-related uh, uh, configurations. For example, by the way, you can change the whole network interface. So we, uh, by default, we expose uh, an HTTP network layer uh, to work over like regular HTTP. But um, but actually, you can also include subscriptions, which give you um, a subscriptions network layer, which will give you, let's say, an opportunity to to use real-time networking. For to get push from the servers and things like that, uh, or your own network interface, but this is just like random things that you can configure. but once you just you include that, you just you import this service into the specific component you want the data to come in, and you just in the component pass the query into that service. And that's it. So that means that this query actually sits, inside your component or next to your component, however you want to define it. You can also, by the way, define it with the decorator. So you can just decorate your existing component, like you have an at uh, a component. You can add on top of it at Apollo or at GraphQL. (coughs) Sorry, at GraphQL, not at Apollo. Put your query inside and that's it. Um, Everything lives together. Inside the component. So you can reuse it, you can move it around. Um, and Apollo client will take care of uh, all the rest for you. For example, let's say if I'm rendering now five different components, and they need some of them needs the same data, and some of them needs different data. All of this data will be joined by Apollo into one single request to the server with exactly the data that we need. Um, So in the most efficient way. So the only thing you need to do is just define the behavior for each component. And you can forget about all the logic that right now you have inside your Angular data services, like joining data or waiting for requests or starting to do local cache with like Redux or NGRX, like. All the things that is related to network, we we can take care of for you, while still giving you, by the way, the options to change all of those behaviors. Like it's all built on a really regular store, Redux, um, which you can also uh, integrate with NGRX, and, and you can put in your own behavior if you want. The best place to start, basically, like if you want to start, just start reading about GraphQL. I think the best place is to just go to graphql.org. Um, the second place you should look at probably is apollodata.com. This is our website, in and which has like actually like how would you use that and guides how to use it inside, um, uh, like inside your Apollo app, inside your uh, Angular app um and we have the repos you can like submit issues we have a slack channel that you can join the conversation there um and also i'm now pretty much done uh of creating i'm going to submit it probably in a few days um with a pr for angular io to add like a like a cookbook about how to use graphql inside your uh angular app which i hope uh, will get merged <laughs> uh,
2: and so, one other place, if I can interject, that um, I actually found to be pretty helpful is uh, learngraphql.com. Uh, so they have some, you know, pretty easy kind of tutorials that you can actually walk through. I did it uh, the other night in about I don't know, maybe 90 minutes. And um, I think uh, Yuri, as soon as I finish, you should actually talk about the kind of the sandbox, um, you know, tool that that comes with with GraphQL. But uh, learngraphql.com. Um, I think there's like maybe ten sections with like four or five lessons in each one, uh, but it's a really gentle way to kind of wrap your mind around you know, some of the the syntax and how to you know write your queries in the client and on the server, and uh, it's a pretty pleasant experience. It was actually going to be my pick, but um, I think it just makes sense to bring it up here. Is that free, Lucas? Totally free.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. Like I actually forgot about that website. Uh, this is a really good website. I, I also forgot about it because like GraphQL.org recently like did like this huge this huge rebuild, so now it's a better place. But the site that uh, Lucas talked about is actually the was until maybe recently like the main uh, source for anyone who actually want to start using GraphQL. and It's a great uh, it's a great resource. Another place is maybe I saw recently that they added the a GraphQL course to Egghead.io. Um, so I haven't checked it out, but if someone like likes egghead.io, then I think it's probably worth checking out. Um, also, I don't know, like Lucas, are you still going to do something like a workshop uh, ne- next month? I don't know. I remember you talked something about it.
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm actually going to be in New York City at the Angular meetup there talking about uh, GraphQL. And I'm going to be doing um, an Angular workshop uh, the day after. But um, I have a bunch of kind of content that I'm assembling. The uh, I think well, one is from a personal level, just as you know, seeing like you know, REST APIs like just explode into a a situation of doom. Um, you know, this I think is it's really <laughs> exciting technology where it's like, oh, like I'd prefer not to have to do 100 you know REST API calls, but it would be nice if I could just do one. Um, But yeah, so this is where I have, somebody's like, well, how would I learn GraphQL? I have dozens of, you know, notes and resources and different things. Uh, So that's where kind of this learn GraphQL came from is uh, it's really really a good place to start. Egghead, they just did a new series. Um, You know, that's really good as well.
1: Yeah, and and you said, you mentioned, uh, probably you were, uh, you wanted me to talk about Graphico. Yes. so yeah, graphical so one of the things in another like great benefits of uh, graphql is that it's it's a schema it's a type schema that is uh, statically analyzable so it's very easy to create tools automatic tools on top of it so for example um, if you just create a, a graphql server whatever tools you're using whatever technology you can just add a it's an, it's called an a graphical it's an online editor for it's like kind of an IDE for your GraphQL. So basically, I think I've shown that in the in the remote conf that we've did, we've done uh, a few months ago. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty basically sure you have it
1: there. Yeah, and, and it's a tool that basically, first of all, out of the box, you get you get complete documentations for your API, which are all, all, always updated. Like they are gen, being generated from the code. You don't need to maintain like you know gra, uh, documentations for your API at all. And then the second thing is that you can just query that API. And so you have like this cool editor in the browser that you can just start typing GraphQL queries, you'll get auto-completion and error checking. And you can just like run those queries inside, your, uh, inso- inside this browser, make sure they work, and then just copy that query from that you just done, kind of like, you know, like a, a planker or something. Uh, you can just copy that query paste it inside your component in the in your apollo decorator or whatever and and it will work so it's very very powerful thing um, by the way we took this is a very very new thing i think like two weeks ago we've done it i don't know if uh, if you had a chance to look at it but um, two weeks ago, we had a hack week in in, in mid just like a week where anyone can do whatever they want, um, and, and we created a Apollo like Apollo a Chrome Developer Tools. And one of the things that Apollo Developer Tool does is actually it's opening inside your Chrome Developer Tools a graphical editor. But the interesting thing is that graphical editor works on top of your Apollo client and your local cache. So basically it works from your client side and not on the server side. So it's much better actually than to use it there than to use it uh, from your uh, like GraphQL server. And, And it's pretty amazing. You can actually like what we've done there and we still improve it. But what we can do is you can click on a component, you get the query on the component you get the actual information that sit, it sits inside your local store. Like if it's like Redux, for example, you get the data that is there and you can run that query on Graphical and see the network, like what's actually happening. It's very, very powerful. We're pretty excited about it. It's pretty new. Um, yeah, so that's another tool that I think uh, the tool came from an idea that of Sashko, one of... Uh, uh, my teammates at Meteor that he's, he basically said, "I'm trying to explain people how Apollo Client works," and then he just created this tool because with this tool you can just see like in a wh- few screenshots everything that's happening on your app, like which components are querying which data, which data is running on the network, which data had failed from the network, wh- how which data is existing on your like local storage. Everything suddenly is visualized and you can see like, you know, all kinds of stuff that and words that we're talking about, you just get a snapshot of how it looks inside your app. And it's, I think it's a, it's a very powerful thing. And I think we're just in the start of actually like the things that this uh, developer tool can do. So you should also check this out.
0: Does your team need to master Angular JS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a 3-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours. Angularbootcamp.com. One thing that I'm wondering about is as I build out my Angular app, I like to write tests. So, how how do tests and Angular go together?
1: Um, so uh they they go great like um Even better, I think, but this is just my personal opinion. But first thing is that uh, Apollo Client is actually, it's a service inside your uh, GraphQL component. So you can actually just mock that service inside each component and run the tests as they were just inputs. So you won't care about the network layer, you won't care too much about GraphQL, like you can just test it like that. The second thing is that, let's say you want to run uh, integration tests. Um, so, one of the like amazing things about GraphQL is that because it's uh, it's a schema that is typed. First of all, if you want to create a mocking ser- mock server, it's one command line. Like if you go to uh, a like Apollo the Apollo Dev like Apollo uh, website, and you can just see that there's like one library that you can import from GraphQL tools. Um, And with one command line, you just, you mock all your schema. You don't need to write a server. You don't need to write an in-browser server, nothing. You just, uh, one command line, and it will just generate the data for you. And then you can just run your tests, and everything will be fine. Um, And if you want to get, like, really sophisticated with your uh, your tests, you can actually do what, what I've done with the, Recently, and that is run GraphQL server inside your in memory, inside your your client, inside your tests, and just respond to the queries in memory. So you get a query for a name and an and an age. You just resolve it on the client side, and send the data back so you can test it um, locally. And that's actually what I've done uh, for the Angular I/O PR. I basically created. A new version of the uh, Tour of Heroes, uh, the tutorial, which has tests, and I just run everything in browser. Run ran the same tests as Tour Tour of Heroes, and and it works. So uh, hopefully, uh, when the PR will be merged, you, you can also you can actually like check out this app and see that everything works. It also works with like AOT and tree shaking. Um, yeah. It's a it's a good reference, I think.
0: Sounds like you thought of everything.
1: Yeah, I mean like I don't think Ward will ever like merge a PR for, that I've done without like everything being all <laughs> tested, <laughs> test tested and worked. So I had to figure this thing out like all the details. <laughs> yeah, like um I'll just mention another thing is that um sometimes people ask me about um a how do I how do I connect this to TypeScript? Because it's GraphQL is typed and it's it makes sense to actually um, uh, to connect this thing into into TypeScript. So, so there are uh, TypeScript generators. So um, from GraphQL. So there's a few of them. I will link them in the in the docs as well. But you can just like if you if you probably if you Google GraphQL call generation or call generator, you will probably find a few. Uh, most of them probably include TypeScript. Uh, one of them I'm using and, uh, in my app, and it's great. Um, but there's a few of them, so you can choose your own. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear more questions.
2: So tell me about subscriptions. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> that was more of a command, actually. That was like, you, tell me about subscriptions. <laughs> but I was setting you up, because it's awesome.
1: Yeah, so... Um, One thing that, um, because, you know, GraphQL is a big improvement, I think, over REST, then I always tend to forget to mention, actually, that GraphQL also opens up the possibilities for more types of communication. So, for example, the the biggest example is real-time. So with GraphQL, you can also do real-time types of communication. What I mean by real-time is that instead of the client querying the server uh, for specific information, the server notifies to the client that something happened. Now, um, GraphQL supports that. So you have in GraphQL, you have a thing called subscriptions, which basically means, um, and I, I try not to dig too deep into that, but um, basically, uh, the, the server in the schema defines what events you can subscribe to? For example, if you're working on the chat, then like message added, like there's a new message, and then the data that that you can ask for when when the this event has happened. So that means in the what does this mean is that let's say I'm writing an Angular chat app, and every time there's a new message, I want to get the content of the message, and the name of the of the responder and that's it there's a lot of more information about the message i don't care about the rest of the information just the the person who sent the message and, and the content of the message so i am defining i have the power inside my client side app inside my angular app to say i want to subscribe to this event message added and i want to query this information inside my component so that means that Every time in real-time a message uh, like added in the server, you'll get a push of exactly the data that you need in exactly the structure that you need into your UI, and you can just place it into the UI with an observable. And that's it. So you can create like a real-time chat app in a really super, super simple way, but also more importantly, which maybe it's more important to the server developers, in a very scalable way because there's a lot of ways of doing real time, which I won't get into them right now, but uh, the subscription way is the way that Facebook uses, uh, uses the same GraphQL uh, subscriptions into support real time in the Facebook app. For example, a few examples are for like, let's say that you're getting into a Facebook post and you start typing a comment and you see, I don't know if you recently seen that you start seeing like someone else is also typing in the same comment so this is actually GraphQL subscriptions being this th- feature is being powered by GraphQL subscription and other things for example when you do live video in Facebook and you get like likes flying by on top of your of your video um, then this is also powered by GraphQL subscriptions so this is a very powerful feature that um, you can use today, actually, like in, in Apollo. Like we already support it both on, ser- if you want to use it on server side or in client side, um, and you can start doing it today, in, also in Angular. Like we support it also in the Angular integration.
2: So you mentioned you know, Facebook, obviously, which is quite a large vote of social proof, but uh, recently GitHub uh, just did something with, with GraphQL, um, I'm curious if you could just comment on what they've done, but also you know some of the other you know big uh, companies that are adopting GraphQL. So you know how's the adoption? You know who's doing what with it, and um, what is what's the temperature of the water uh, looking looking into the future?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, GitHub GitHub is uh, probably. Like right after Facebook, the most important announcement that was made like, in the community because GitHub is obviously, everyone knows GitHub, they have huge influence on the developer community and basically in their, in their announcement, they basically said, hey, look, we're using GraphQL internally for a while now. This is great for us. Why should we, if we use it internally, why should we expose a different API to the, to the you know, third party developers? Let's expose GraphQL as well. So that means that inside GitHub they use GraphQL, they like it, they're proud of the community. They actually work with us um, on their Ruby agent for for GraphQL, um, and and they're doing a lot of like exciting things. And also they said, look, like uh, just tr- if you want to try like GraphQL, you can use our third-party API. So. I think probably the API that people play with the most when they just want to start trying around uh, GraphQL, they can just try the uh, GitHub public API, which they probably like some of, there's so many tutorials that using the rest API for it. We, there's now more and more tutorials that I guess maybe like if someone wants to really compare things, you can take like an existing tutorial in in for GitHub rest API and migrate it to the to the GraphQL API and see the real benefits and how easier it is. Like just start with reading the documentation, which with GraphQL, you don't really need to. It's just you know it's just out there. Um, but this is GitHub, but you mentioned other other companies. I think the for me the one of the most interesting and exciting things about GraphQL, is because the nature of it, where you can you can use it inside your app uh, with your existing servers or with your existing data. Like you don't need to do drastic changes or rewrite your app, whether if it's the client or the server. That it means and, and it makes sense, you know, for scalable applications to understand the structure of the data, the separation of the data. Um, then. With GraphQL, you see actually more uh, enterprise companies or large organization adopting adopting the technology than even startups. So startups is easy for them; it's very easy to come and pick up a new cool technology. But um, we see, like in the graphql.org slash users, for example, there's a list of like users that are using it, and and the amazing thing about about this list is that most of those companies are. Of large companies you know that have like they have like existing products that work for years and they decided to move to it like Shopify, Coursera like I won't do too much name credit karma I won't do too much name dropping but you can just check it yourself but for me this is the most exciting thing it's like actually you can use this technology to change existing applications and not just writing your new shiny apps in a cool way. Um, Yeah, this is uh, really exciting stuff.
0: So what's the future of GraphQL? You said it's a a query language with a specification, so is the specification changing much these days? Or is it just kind of a hey, it's stabilized, we're just putting all the extra niceties in, Uh, you know, come get in, the water's nice.
1: Mm, So it's pretty stable, like, there's not a lot of uh, huge change, changes recently, but, uh, but the good thing about GraphQL as well is that uh, it is open source and it is evolving. So for example, on the subscriptions uh, that I've talked about, then I've created actually, um, I've added subscriptions into a lot of our internal apps and during that I like, PR'd and changed a lot of our libraries. And now I hope to work on like, adding some stuff to the specifications because I think uh, subscriptions is something that could be more defined, for example. Um, and the process of, of the evolution of GraphQL is never ending. So there's, uh, the best place to look at it is actually on its GitHub repo. There's a lot of uh, RFCs um, being like, you know, you can actually PR the specification. And you can start a discussion about it, and and it's great. Like there's a lot of improvements coming. Uh, I think recently, like you could had the uh, I, I don't know if it's that recently, but you you could have comments and on top of your schema, so it could also be auto-generated into your uh, into your docs. Um, it's very interesting and it's evolving, and and the good thing is that it's something that evolves, but it's already been in, it's already is in, in in like production used in all of Facebook, which I don't know, maybe it's the biggest applications in the world. I don't know, application in the world. I'm not really sure, but, um, so it's moving, it's uh, improving, but it's also, uh, like very well tested. So, um, yeah. So I think, uh, And again, like one of the, if I'm talking about like the actual things that I'm very excited about uh, for the future of GraphQL is subscriptions, which already works today, but also other types of, um, uh, let's say, real time or network uh, improvements. For example, live data. Live data means that instead of uh, subscribing into a specific event, you actually just subscribe to data. So let us you have your query, you just put like an annotation on top of specific fields saying live. And that means that the server will just push new updates on this data. Um, it's not very easy to do on the server actually, which this is why probably not a lot of people are pushing it or... Um, or are excited, about it, and probably like 90% of the use cases for real-time subscriptions is covering for you. But I think it's a, it's another improvement that could be very very exciting. I, I'll, I'll send the link on the on the doc for a really great lecture from uh, uh, Laini and Lee from the GraphQL team, and they're talking about the GraphQL future, and it's it's a really exciting uh, talk. So I'll just send the link. Uh, on the bottom. It's worth checking
0: out. Nice. The only other question I have that I know some of our listeners are going to be interested in is that we don't talk a ton about backends. And so um, I think people are thinking, okay, well, I know that Facebook wrote a nice backend for GraphQL on Node.js. I happen to be aware that there's a version or GraphQL backend. Ruby implementation, I think, is in beta right now. Um, what other languages, what other backend languages can you set this up on?
1: Uh, I, I think there's like endless actually, like I, I don't think I, I'll just go through, I'm just looking at graphical code, but so you have a list of all the implementations. So yeah, like you said, you have Ruby, you have Python, you have Scala, Java, um, Clojure, you have Go, PHP, .NET, Alixir. Uh, On the client side, you have like iOS and Swift, you know, you have uh, endless (laughs) stuff. So yeah, probably if you like, probably whatever backend language you're using, um, you can have a runtime GraphQL server library fitted into that language. Uh, And if not, you can message me. (laughs) I would love to know (laughs) about the missing one.
0: This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. The Kendo UI family of UI components delivers everything you need to quickly and easily build rich, responsive Angular 1 and 2 applications. Kendo UI for Angular 2 is built from the ground up on TypeScript as 100% native components with zero jQuery dependencies. Kendo UI for jQuery works seamlessly with Angular 1.x so you can build apps with declarative data binding, routing, form validation, and more. Kendo UI can help you speed up the development time for your next application by up to 50%. Go check them out at devchat.tv slash ui all right.
2: Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Uh, Lucas, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. So, actually, funny segue uh, because I do I do not consider myself to be a uh, server side uh, developer. I can do it occasionally when um, there's a gun to my head and uh, I have to you know create something at the server. But that's not really kind of you know what I like to do. And so uh, Yuri uh, turned me on to this service called Scaffold. So that's scaffold.io and it basically kind of takes all the pain out of uh, spinning up a server. And so uh, really, you know, kind of a a really cool company, really easy to get, um, you know, a server-side implementation up and running. Uh, The two guys that uh, co-founded the company are really nice, uh, you know, super helpful in the Slack channel. And so that's my first pick because I'm not really, I would say, uh, server-side development is not really Know, something that I'm excited to stay up at night and do. And then um, I already said uh, LearnGraphQL.com. I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, super awesome. And then uh, finally for fun, there is a GraphQL implementation of the Star Wars API um, that is uh, pretty cool as well. So I've used actually uh, the Star Wars API, Swappy, or whatever you want to call it, um, in some training. And here is a, uh, a GraphQL uh, version of it, which is uh, helpful. And I foresee this showing up in uh, some of my content in the future. So those are my picks.
0: You know you can see into the future with Force. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> picks?
4: All right. Um, so speaking of Star Wars... And there's no ward today, so I'm really disappointed because I really want to talk about Star Wars. I know, right? For, although, maybe it's good we don't have him to be argumentative about it because it's a sad topic. And that is that uh, Carrie Fisher died today, Oh no. which is really sad. Oh. So, I want to pick Carrie Fisher. Uh, she will always be royalty to me. And uh, I'd also like to pick an awesome conference, which I think has possibly the coolest name I've ever heard of for a conference, NG Vikings. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at actually giving a six-hour workshop, uh, six-ish-hour workshop on migrating from Angular 1 to whatever version of Angular that isn't 1 happens to be out at the time, whether that's <laughs> 2, 4, 6, I don't know. It could Eight. be 3 appreciate? and 3 quarters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It it might be version Pi. I'm not really sure, but there's going to be a version of the framework that isn't Angular 1 because it's a different framework, but not of the same framework or the same framework that has a different version of the framework that formerly known as 2. That's what we should call it. The framework formerly known as Angular 2. (laughs) I like it.
0: I think I just (laughs) had my brain melt out my ears.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I'll be giving a workshop, an all-day workshop, for free, actually, on migrating from Angular 1 to that the framework formerly known as Angular 2. Angular 2.donkey. <laughs> yes, dot .donkey, I like it. So I'm really excited, plus just an awesome name, and it's in Denmark. I love Denmark, love Copenhagen, just an awesome place. So excited I get a chance to zip back up there again. And it's going to be like the couple of days after my birthday. In fact, I, I leave on my birthday, and it starts two days after. So I'm really excited for that. I also want to pick uh, my Angular Two Fundamentals course. It's going to be coming out here. Should be out by the time this recording is out, or if not, shortly right after that. Nine and some odd hours of Angular Two learn learn Angular Two goodness, starting from zero, going all the way through to Knowing everything you need to know to build production quality applications, even how to get to production. I'm really excited about that course. Been working really hard on it. I think I spent about 400 hours putting it together, and Ooh. I only did half of it. So, my co author did the other half. So, that's 400 hours just for half of that course.
0: I'm really excited about that one. Did you do it with Jim again?
4: Yeah, I did it with Jim again. So, this is on pluralsight.com. Angular 2 fundamentals course. There's some other great courses out there by John Papa, uh, getting a first look, and by Deborah Carrata, getting just a getting started course. And I think Deborah Karada is getting really close to a course on forms and Angular 2 as well, reactive forms, I think. So lots of good content showing up. Uh, those are my picks.
0: Awesome. I'm, I'm just going to plus one that because the Angular fundamentals that he did for Portal Site with Jim was really good. So I'm assuming this one's just going to be just as good.
4: I sure hope so. And Jim has an awesome voice. I love listening to his voice, by the way. It could put me to sleep Yeah.
3: Do you have an exact date for that or no?
4: No, they don't give us an exact date. It kind of just goes in the queue. Everything's done. It's 100% complete. So it's in this queue and it could take anywhere from four days to, you know, 20 days for it to actually be published.
0: All right. Alyssa, what are your picks?
3: Um, just one pick, and we already mentioned it a couple times, but it is the GraphQL course on Egghead.io by Josh Black. Um, I'll link to the course, uh, but there's quite a few lessons. I think there's like 20 um, just on different, like build a GraphQL server is the title of the course. So I love Egghead, um, and ever since I started, Creating like content for them, they've been really supportive, and it's really cool to know like that they're such a supportive company for not only students but teachers as well. So definitely want to do them as my pick today. So yeah, io
0: All right, um, I'm just gonna pick one thing today. Um, I recently got back into a TV show. Um, there are a few shows that I just kind of cycle through, like every few years. So I've watched this series twice, and now I'm watching it again. It is Battlestar Galactica from 2003. Yes! (laughs) It is probably one of my most favorite shows ever. And uh, I I just love, love, love it. So um, I watched Stranger Things. I guess I should pick that since Hmm. everybody else has. Um, So I watched Stranger Things, and I was like, now what am I going to watch? And so I started just looking through Hulu and Netflix and, you know, the couple of others that I have. Um, cause we canceled our edition network about a year and a half ago. And, uh, I was like, Oh, they have Battlestar Galactica on here. So I started watching it. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to pick that and token pick to stranger things. It was good. It was, it was
1: interesting show. Um, Uri, what are your picks? Um, so first of all, I want to plus one, the Lucas's pick like about scaffold. They're really cool guys. And, they actually already supports uh, also subscriptions so you can actually just use them as a backend and i think it's a, it's a it's a really great service um, and i'll just i'll add that I'll, I'll add a lot of links in the in the end of the show but for me i think i would start with graphql.org it's just so simple i ma- mentioned it before and then when you actually want to start implement i will move to apolodata.com with all the information um, and my 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 actual pick, I think, is a new company that I'm really excited about. Excited about, and it's called the Narwhal.io, uh, which is uh, Jeff Cross and Victor Sefkin from the Angular team actually started their own company.
3: I was actually just on Angular Air today, and I, we were interviewing them about Narwhal, so yeah, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah, and i'm I think it's amazing because I think they're gonna go out there to companies, see real problems and like add their point of view into that and i I think it's gonna be huge for the community, like uh, having this type of company and those guys just you know looking at the real problems in the field and helping to improve Angular as a whole so. Yeah, now roll IO. I hope they're going to, I'm sure they're going to have huge success.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we had Victor on a couple weeks ago, so you can go listen to his take on things there. Um, well, if people want to see what you're up to, Uri, or follow you, or, you know, on Twitter or GitHub or anything like that, what do they do?
1: Uh, the easiest thing in GitHub is just GitHub slash UriGo, URIGO and then in there there's all the links there's my GitHub uh, there's my LinkedIn profile there my email if someone actually wants to contact me like I usually just put it out there and support people um, for free just send me a message and I'll I'll respond so yeah github.com slash Uwego
0: all right well we'll go ahead and wrap this one up thank you for coming Uri yeah thank you for having me all right (laughs) we'll catch everyone next week
1: ciao